So on today's episode of The Curious Mind, we have Hannah Reimer joining us. Hannah is a seventh grade English teacher at university school, um, but we have her on our episode today to talk about how to talk about and teach race, both in the classroom and to your children. Uh, Mike, what were some of your big takeaways from uh, um, this conversation with Hannah? Hands down the resources, the amount of resources, the quality of the resources that are available, um, and just, you know, I, and I mentioned in the interview, just the the ability to not shy away from conversations about race. And this is just the beginning of the discussion. I think she provided great starting points for these conversations, um, but I think the, the conversation will continue to go on. But what was your biggest takeaway from the interview? I agree. The resources were incredible. I found myself taking so many notes um, and looking up resources after the interview. So I'm excited to kind of dive into them. And I agree. This is definitely just kind of the first step. I think we'll need to need to continue the conversation, um, you know, as we go along and follow this journey. So on today's episode, we welcome Hannah Reimer, seventh grade English teacher here at university school. Hannah, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, Hannah, can you um, start by just sharing with our listeners like a little bit about yourself, your background, um, how you got into education, how you ended up at university school, just kind of tell us what led you to this point um, in time. Sure, well this is my 15th, the end of my 15th year at USM, um, and I was um, working in San Francisco for a dot-com and I come from a family of educators. My mom was a middle school English teacher. My stepdad was a high school math teacher and college math teacher. My dad's an architect, but he taught architecture at the college level for a long time. My granddad became a, a teacher sort of as a second career when he was like in his 60s. I have cousins, I have two aunts, two cousins. So I grew up thinking, I'm not going to do that, right? Like everybody I know is a teacher and that's not for me. I want to do something different. Um, and then I was working in, um, in a tech field in San Francisco doing like language related things, but um, really got to a point, I lived through the like bubble in San Francisco and got to a point where I realized I didn't really feel fulfilled by my job at all. Um, and I was working really hard and um, so I started, um, I shadowed a teacher, a friend of mine who was a middle school teacher, and I spent a day with her at an all-girls um, independent school in San Francisco, and I loved it, and I felt so happy and alive. And so then I pursued um, getting into teaching, and I taught, um, I did a teacher training program and, and um, did some work in San Francisco, and then was at the, worked at the town school for boys for a couple of years. And then um, just loved it and loved the independent school environment and loved the kids and the families and the autonomy and the, the, how hard the other teachers worked and how inspiring that was um, to be in that environment. And then um, San Francisco just started getting so expensive. And so my husband and I had gotten married. He had done a career shift too. And we thought we really want to move back to the Midwest to be closer to our families. And so um, I sent my resume to a like 25 Milwaukee and Chicago schools and got a couple offers and we decided as Marquette alums that Milwaukee kind of felt like home to us more than maybe any other place and Chicago was too big for him so 
then I got the job at USM. And here you are. Yeah. Um, so to, on, on today's episode, we have you coming on to talk about, um, you know, how we can talk about race with, you know, both in the classroom, but then also with, you know, um, children. So, you know, I think it's important to kind of understand, you know, where you come from and, and all this. And so tell us about the moment you realized that you needed more learning on the topic of race. I think um, we at USM, as you guys know, we do a faculty summer read every year. And as an English teacher, like books are, are my life and like they're kind of the answer to everything. Like if I can't figure something out, I'm gonna try to go find a book about it and read about it. And um, so I read a, a book called Nurture Shock um, by, um, um, oh gosh, I have their names right here. I just have to look at it again, um, by, um, Poe Bronson and Ashley Merriman and that, like I would say six or seven years ago and there was a chapter in there it's about raising children and important mistakes that that parents make and and um, why what that causes the challenges that causes to kids and the chapter that really I think shook me up the most was about white parents and how little they talk about race with their kids and how for a huge generation of people my age and even a little bit older and younger that um, that if you grew up um, in a white household, it was just it was just said by your parents most often that um, everybody's equal and that's all you need to know about it. And so if white kids are in the grocery store and they point out like, or they say, like a toddler, like why is that girl's hair so poofy mom, right? Or that man's skin is different or that person is darker. Or in, and then the white parent would often say, Shh, don't talk about that. So you're, that then those children absorb the idea that talking about race is bad. And so white families then have so little practice doing that. Um, and that really, really hit home. And I thought, wow, that's one of the reasons it's hard, I think, for us to do it. And not speaking like for the whole white race or anything, but it really made sense to me that if you have no practice doing something, um, you're not going to be good at it. And it's going to make you uncomfortable and you're going to shy away from it. And then how can we ever get better at something if, we, if it's so uncomfortable and we just don't do it? And then how can we expect our kids to go into the world and be around people that are different than them and have and and have no really language and no practice um and how to deal with somebody that that looks different than them well and and i think too you know as you kind of delve more into this topic and learn more and we're going to get your perspective as a parent of young children um but i you know initially i'm thinking of myself when i was in the classroom and and had i taken this journey how has this journey for you impacted your Teaching um, in the classroom of your English class uh, has it impacted how and what you teach and and just some of those conversations because the middle-aged students are a little bit more self-aware than like some of the third graders that I was teaching um, and we'll talk about that as well but how has this journey really impacted you on a professional level I think it has opened the door for me to be really open and open and honest with the kids and say um, talking about race is not racist because I think middle school kids will say often if they hear anything about a color of skin or any anything having to do with race um, or differences they want to jump to the idea that that's racist and they think that that's that then that's that's equated with bad um, and that's a, a great um, 
I really learned a lot about that in the book White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. But I think what that then informed or changed in my teaching is that I, I talk openly about my color of skin. I talk about what it was like to grow up as a white person. I talk about my experience in school as a white girl um, who could sit still and follow directions and how easy school was for me and how much I liked school. Um, I talk openly now also with my kids from day one about my identity and, and as a as a white woman, cisgender woman, um, hetero woman, and I just try to put those words into our vocabulary that they're not bad, they're not dangerous, we can, we can identify ourselves like that. And then if I feel like if I'm truly showing myself to the kids, it's then safe for them to truly show themselves. And I never would require anybody to, to you know, identify themselves in a way, but I just say, this is how I do it. This is how I talk about myself. This is my experience going through the world. And then, then they know, oh, we can talk about that if we want to. Um, and of course they don't have to. I also talk about my um, sisters are adopted from South Korea. So I talk also about I've asked them for their permission to talk about their experiences in school. And my middle sister, Nora, um, had a really difficult time in school because she had learning challenges and she didn't look like any of her classmates. And so I talk about that with the kids and say, and compare our, our um, experiences. And then that just kind of sets the stage and opens the door for other conversations later in the year. So it seems like you're you're very open to being vulnerable in front of your students and letting them into kind of your life. Do you think that that is something often educators kind of shy away from? Because I mean, when I was in the classroom, it was all about I've got content and I've got to teach that. But is, is there a power to that vulnerability from the teacher that helps the students then open up? I think yes, definitely. I feel like I used to be the same way and I feel like my connection with the kids has completely changed since I've become more vulnerable. I was at um, NAIS's Diversity Leadership Institute a few years ago and that's a week-long training um, for independent school teachers and school leaders and I remember staying up after a session. It's a, it's like a, yeah, it's seven days. I stayed up one night till like two in the morning, just jotting all these notes about how I wanted to start the year differently, and and really be vulnerable and and talk about identity because I felt like it just hit me there, um, in this week long um, teacher training when we were just talking about identity that I had to be the model and I had to be the. I had to try to be the anti-racist white model. Like, this is how we start. We have to talk about ourselves first and in a really vulnerable way. And I think the kids get to know me quicker and I feel a connection to them, a deeper connection than I ever have since I do, since I have started that. And that's just been in the last couple of years. And it's hard, right? Like, it makes, I, I tell them too, like, this is, this makes me sweaty and uncomfortable and you'll see me stammering, but it's really important. And then, then they're like crying and hugging me, you know, the next day. So not always, of course, but, but it, <laughs> it, does, it does help, you know, I think. And, and Hannah, I, I know from working with you, you, you know, you have done a ton of research and you've read a lot of books and a lot of articles, you know, as an educator, what are, you know, your favorite two to three resources that you feel have kind of have really helped you in kind of exploring these topics in the classroom setting? 
Um, I think one personally that um, was just a, that I have like tons of all you can see here, all of my notes from is White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. Um, I think she just so, so thoroughly explores how hard it is for white people to talk about race and this idea that like the guilt and the shame and the fear and the, um, that that's where so many people go immediately. And then if you feel all those things, you just put up a wall and you stop and you can't, you can't, you can't engage, you can't listen. And that same idea that she also talks a lot about how the idea of racist to say something racist means you're a bad person and so people are so worried about being morally bad and labeled that way that that you can't even to be accused of that or to be called that it's like people can just shut down and so um that we have to kind of un unpack that and that's a really huge ask right and it's a lot it's a lot of work and a lot of time but I go back to that book over and over again. So now you get to put your parent hat on, um, Hannah. And and I, first, if you could share maybe the ages of your children to kind of give the the listeners some perspective. But you know, my my question is, you know, we're all of the age, and myself included, we're right now. Um, you know, I think I'm observing, I'm listening, but more than anything, I'm really reflecting. Um, because I, you know, I'm, I'm old enough to self-reflect on some of the advantages or my journey as well. Um, but say you are a young child and you don't really have that ability and the parent is the one that is facilitating these conversations. Um, when do you start having conversations with race about them um, and how, how do they evolve as they get older? I know that I probably just asked four questions all at once there, but, but if you could share the ages just to kind of give a sense um, and then just kind of the progression of talking about race with your children. Sure, sure. my kids now are um, six and nine. Um, and I think it really, I think I read Nurture Shock when they were pretty young. And so I think I started um, opening that discussion um, as soon as I could then and talking about skin color, there's a, um, a book I really like called All the Colors We Are that just talks about um, melanin and what that means and how, um, and I read that to my seventh graders, but I've also have a copy at home and I've given copies to or recommended copies to lower school teachers at USM too. It just, it's a, it has a world map and it has um, like a skin color map and it talks about how the color of your skin is related to um, your, this color of your ancestor skin and the the closer you get to the equator, the darker the skin color. And I think that was a really, e and it's written for very young children. So that was a very easy way to then, to, to read that book and then to start talking about, look at your skin color, think about Aunt Nora's skin color, think about your, your neighbor Nico's skin color, right? Like he, his ancestors came from Uganda, his color is very different. Look where Uganda is on the map. Oh yeah, Uganda's really close to the equator. His, and our ancestors came from Ireland and Germany. Look where that is on the map. Our skin color is very different. And um, bringing back that idea that we're all one race, there is only one human race, um, but we do have these differences um, based on, on something that's totally out of our control. And that's all it is, is like our, the, how much sun you get and where your ancestors lived and how much sun they got. And that was an easy way to just start talking about skin color. My kids also talk about brown skin and peach skin. 
and we still do that sometimes, um, but it seemed more relevant to them. So that was something that we've kind of held on to, like when they talk about, even now when they've asked questions about police brutality and stuff. And I, I now that they're older, I try to be very open and honest and talk about fairness and, and justice. And, and I do, I do try to sum up history, like, I, you know, in all of the books I've read about the history of, of slavery or the history of segregation. And, and I try to talk about that in ways that they can understand. Um, and I tie it back to that we have this history of racism in our country that came from the fact that there was an, an unfair system that really benefited some people and um, that those, those, the mean things that people said in order to keep that system in place are still around and that so there's still some we and we in order to get rid of that we have to talk about it over and over and over again and you know as you're having these you know conversations with your children um what have been some challenges you've faced in talking about this with them i think the the challenges is it too much for them? Is it, too, is it, you know, scary for them? I hear that from a lot of um, parents. I hear that from a lot of friends. I hear that from other teachers. Um, and I go back to the idea that um, children of color have to hear about these things when they're young. And in order for my kids to be good citizens, they should also hear about it. I, I try to do it in a way that's not graphic or violent or overly done it's not like for shock value um and i i don't use really really strong language i try to use words that they can understand but i um but the challenge is is this is this too much for them am i making them sad i also to kind of balance that i just try to listen a lot and give them a lot of time and and we try to i try to bring it up you know often like if we're driving home from school and they have a question like I'll talk about it right then like um, or I'll try to make sure we can and, and sit down as soon as, if we can't talk about it immediately that I make time for and space for it. Um, but kids understand this right you guys know as, as, be, as educators like they they absorb a lot more than we think that they do um, or they hear things and so always giving them space to ask their questions and say, you know, tell me more about that or how do you feel about that helps. But yeah, I think I have that challenge that is, is this, is this, you know, hard for them too. And I think it is, but I think the world is hard on, on a lot of people right now. Um, and, and that's okay to, to acknowledge that. Um, and just remind them that they're loved and, and really, really special and lucky too. Um, yeah, I, I think sometimes when we're having these conversations, what I appreciate about what you just shared, Hannah, is that, you know, a lot of times we don't know the definitive answer. And I think that sometimes causes us to be hesitant to engage in these conversations. But, you know, like you said, like listening, letting our children process, I think that's probably the most important thing that we can do and recognize that, yeah, we all don't have the answers and, you know, we're still as a society evolving. So I think it's good to go as a parent um, to go into the conversation knowing like you don't know where the direction is going to go. And I think it even relates to teaching, like, you know, this topic is one of the things that we, there's no clear defined end goal. So it's hard to want to delve into it. 
Well, and to, to your point, Sly, I think the, the overarching theme here that, that I noticed both as a parent or as a teacher is to not shy away from the conversation. And I think um, when these instances come up, because they do, because kids, students are curious creatures by nature, right? And, and they ask questions and they wonder things out loud. And I think, you know, it, it's definitely opportunistic for parents to have these conversations as they come up and not to shy away from them. But say they don't come up and then you're a parent and you, you want to have these conversations now more than ever with your kids, but you don't necessarily know where you should start. Um, what do you believe, like, where is an appropriate place to start? Are there just some, I know you mentioned a few, a lot of resources, which by the way, we'll include on our notes for this podcast um, for all you listeners, but where's kind of a a great place for for our listeners right now that don't know where to start? How can they start these conversations? And I would just add like, you know, probably, you know, looking at if my child is lower school age or elementary age compared to like if they're in middle school and then ultimately if they're in high school, like are there, um, what resources would you tailor or say would be a good starting point um, for those age groups? Well, I think that um, one thing I've noticed lately is they're just so, there's just a, a plethora of, of places coming out with resources. Um, so geared at different age levels, like I know Boswell Books has um, a newsletter and the, the last couple newsletters were full of race-related books and um, for all age kids and um, I'm getting tons of emails and there, there are just so many, which is wonderful. Um, I guess I would say too, and I'm, oh my gosh, I don't want to sound like I'm any kind of parenting expert or, you know, teacher <laughs> expert or anything, but in my own life, I think I would ask questions and see what the kids notice. So like um, so to be open to their questions, but then to say, you know, if we're driving somewhere in the city and um, there's a, a panhandler or something, um, like, or we're going through a part of town and the kids say, oh, um, the houses or that, that store is boarded up or something. Then I say, well, you know, what do you, what do you think about that? Or have, do you notice anything else about where, where we are? And, um, and to not shy away from the reality of the Milwaukee's very segregated history, right? And to bring up um, some concepts about redlining, right? In a way that they can understand. Um, but um, I think just to ask, have you noticed that? Or what do you think about that? To any age kid, whether that's a middle schooler um, or a younger child, um, I think that's where I yeah that's where I would start. What do you, what do you notice about that? What do you think about that? What do you wonder about about things that they're already observing in the world? And then try to look for resources kind of around what they're noticing and to kind of help frame the conversation. Definitely, and there are I mean again I always go back to books, but um there's a book that's about to come out. Um, Ibram X Kendi who wrote How to Be an Anti Racist and Stamped from the Beginning, which are books that I highly recommend for adults, also has um, Jason Reynolds rewrote his book, Stamped from the Beginning, which is about the history of racism in the world and then how it's played out in the United States, has um, the, the young reader version, the young adult version came out um, this winter. And that's a great book for young adults. But Ibram X. Kendi has a book, I think, coming out next, when, next Wednesday, next Tuesday, because books always come out on Tuesdays, um, for children. It's a picture book called Anti-Racist Baby. 
So I've pre-ordered that for my sisters and their babies and stuff. But um, I think just this idea that we can talk about this from the very beginning, right? Um, and then, then it doesn't become an awkward conversation um, because it's an ongoing conversation, right? Like a, the same thing about anything that's a difficult thing to talk about. I feel really strongly that if you start it early, it becomes normalized and then the kids aren't afraid to ask you about it. Um, there's another book I like called Not My Idea, which is a picture book that talks about police brutality and, and the history of racism in the United States. That's also good for really, I think, I would say kindergarten age kids, maybe even a little bit younger, um, but presents it presents these ideas it doesn't shy away from them but in a in a way of this is hard and this is sad but we also have to to um, deal with it um, Brian Stevenson who is um, um, an activist and lawyer who's behind the National Lynching Memorial um, and wrote Just Mercy that was turned into a movie um, that came out recently. He also has a young readers version of his book Just Mercy but he um, I heard him speak a few years ago and his um, one of the things that stuck with me that he talks about all the time is that in the United States we have such a hard time reconciling with our history of racism because it's never really been taught very well it's not it's kind of been covered up and we don't have memorials to um, to we don't there's no national slavery memorial there's not a way to um, to show this right to our country and our kids and a lot of other countries that have a better, that have kind of moved through their history of racism. He talks a lot about um, Germany and South Africa. They have thousands of memorials um, in those countries that really bring to the forefront this, this sad history and they don't shy away from it. And his, his message is if we, if we don't shy away from these things, we're much likely, more likely to begin to heal, but we gotta bring it all out in, into the open first. Well, Hannah, my summer reading list has just grown exponentially. <laughs> but, you know, I think, and, and Sly and I have talked about this off air as well, we think that this, this conversation is going to be ongoing for, for quite some time. And these are great resources for parents, um, for educators. And, and like I mentioned, we'll, we'll have a list of all the things um, that you mentioned in, in today's interview. But we really are appreciative of your time of your knowledge, of your experience for, you know, kind of openly talking with us, just like you do with your students um, every day in the classroom about yourself and your experiences. And so we're super appreciative um, and, and thanks for, for joining us today. And, and we look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in. Special shout out to Hannah for joining us today. A Curious Mind is brought to you by University School of Milwaukee. If you want to learn more about the USM experience, please visit our website at www.usmk12.org. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast to receive updates, all the resources listed, interviews, and more. See you next time.